Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Well, what's up, Block Church? It is so good to be with you all today. My name is Alvin Newman. I'm the parking and security coordinator at the Northeast location. And I just want to take a second to welcome everyone at every physical location, as well as our online locations. Well, we're in the final weeks of our mental health series, Brainwash, and we've touched on some really difficult conversations and had some life-giving dialogues along the way. But I want to take a moment to really honor our lead pastors, Pastor Joey and Lauren, for being people that personally walk with God and have the discernment and understanding of the times to know the needs of this house. They're not people that are shy shy or fearful of shying away from difficult conversations, and we're better because of that. Amen. Well, I know that summer is coming to an end, and it seems as though that there might not be something to look forward to, but whether or not you attend the block church regularly or if this is your first time, something that we get to look forward to is block groups. It's an amazing way to build relationships and have meaningful discussions with like-minded people. And so we want you to do one thing at the end of this service. Go out into your physical locations outside, visit a table, and sign up for at least one group. If you're on our online locations, make sure you check the link for the in the chats for the link and sign up for one group and at least invite another friend to do the exact same thing. Well, I'm excited to dive into the word with you all today. And while I was preparing for this week's sermon, I was reminded of a difficult trip that I took several years ago. Several of my friends and I traveled to West Bengal, India. And the area is one of the biggest populations or biggest producers of tea. And we went to different local tea farms to be able to preach the gospel to the villagers that were there. And we worked with local orphanages that was there. But there was one particular orphanage that we visited, which was in a village, which was a highly concentrated Hindu village. And smack dab in the middle of this village was this orphanage. But you see, the people of this village were not typically tolerant of Christians. But again, smack dab in the middle of this village was this Christian orphanage, which was celebrated and accepted because not only of the way that they were taking care of the orphans in the facility, but how the orphanage was educating and blessing the people and the children that were in the local community. And I remember that our car pulls up to the gates of this orphanage and a bunch of little children run open and they split the gates open and our car enters. And when I step out, there's this young girl that looked partially blind with scars on her eyes that walks up to me and she places this necklace made of white flowers over my head and it touched me and I asked the owner or the organizer and the person that ran that orphanage what was that little girl's story and he told me that there was an indigenous people group that was not too far from where that orphanage was this indigenous, this indigenous people group, this unreached people group near the mountains that didn't have contact with the outside world, nor did they want to. And for some reason, for whatever reason, this little girl was undesirable to that tribe. And they poured acid over her, over her eyes and they rolled her down the mountain and somehow she survived. But the orphanage was contacted and they brought this little girl in and she grew up there and they showed her the love of Jesus and gave her the care that she deserved. 
And the man that ran that orphanage sat me down in his living room and he explained to me all of the different traumatic stories that were associated with the dozens of students and young children that were at that orphanage. And he said that his only goal for those children, for those kids, was for them to be seen, for them to be loved, and to never feel alone as they grew older and began to question or become curious about their purpose or their identity. In other words, he described that by showing them the love of Jesus, he hoped that every single child in that orphanage would never be consumed by the symptoms of loneliness. And that's exactly what I want to talk to you all about today. Because at one point or another, every single person in this world will have experienced what it feels like to be lonely because loneliness is no respecter of persons. Loneliness is not a foreign concept to humanity. It may not be something that we deal with constantly, but it's an epidemic that's developed within our society that experts say can be just as hazardous to our health as alcoholism, as obesity, or as even smoking. And studies done by a Barna Group study showed that three out of ten Americans are dealing and experiencing with an intense to unbearable loneliness at least once a week. Again, Loneliness is no respecter of persons because every single role, every single responsibility, every single level deals with some form of loneliness. A president or a prime minister might feel lonely because even though they're getting counsel from so many different people in the world, they know that ultimately a decision lies on them to be made. President Truman's diary was was discovered in 1947, and in it he wrote that he would be happier outside what he said was the great white jail known as the White House. President Jimmy Carter, when he spent his final days in office, he was dealing with the Iranian hostage crisis, and he described it as the most isolating moments of his life. A pastor or a ministry leader might feel lonely because they feel as though that they can't be vulnerable or there's few people that they can share personal matters with. For the mothers that are in our church, It can feel like a form of captivity because you're feeling an emptiness potentially because of an expectation that you had of marriage or motherhood and the reality of what it might actually be like. Young people in your 20s could experience substantial degrees of loneliness because of the pressure to establish a career, to find a life partner, or to steward what other generations have passed down to you. And men tend to feel extremely lonely with studies showing that three out of five men feeling with issues of being isolated or left out. So all of us have experienced loneliness. We all know what it is, but what is it specifically? Loneliness is a state of being unseen, either relationally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually, and is often driven by this lack of purpose, is driven by a lack of meaning or a lack of identity, and is often connected with a deep sense of hopelessness. Again, we've all felt loneliness. But I want to explain to you the origin of this terrible feeling that was actually never intended for humanity in the first place. You see, God created the heavens and the earth. We all know this. And he created Adam. And looking at Adam, it says in Genesis chapter 2 verse 19 that it is not good for man to be alone. So it all started in the Garden of Eden. It all started there where God's true intention was for us to feel loved and in communion, not just with him, but with other people. But something terrible happens in Genesis chapter 3 when Satan deceives 
Eve and Adam, and he deceives them and he tells them that if you eat the fruit that was specifically asked of you not to eat, that you will surely not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. But it's in that moment, that exact moment when they disobeyed God, when they disobeyed, even though physical death didn't come immediately or right at that moment, the relational death and separation of God and loneliness was birthed in that exact moment as a consequence. But we see this beautiful thing begin to unfold because God is walking through the garden and he's calling out to Adam and he's saying, Adam, where are you? are you and we see that God began to pursue you and I the moment that relationship was broken the moment that loneliness was instituted God recognizes that remembers that he never intended for man to be alone and comes through the garden saying where are you he never he knew that he never intended for his people to be alone and God tells the serpent at that moment in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 that he shall crush your head and you shall bruise his heel. In other words, God is prophesying the victory that mankind will have over darkness through Jesus, permanently defeating loneliness and separation from God forever. All the way to the cross, Jesus conquered death and he redeemed the relationship that was lost and he defeated loneliness. So if you're feeling lonely today, just know that Jesus wants to know you. He desires to know you deeply. He never wanted you to be alone. He never wanted that for you. He never intended that for you. And he's given us the tools so that we do not need to settle for loneliness. So how do we overcome this feeling of loneliness? The path out of loneliness requires us to be intentional. It requires us to be intentional in three different ways. First, it requires that we be intentional with our thoughts. Then it requires for us to be intentional with our actions and our own personal efforts. And thirdly, it, it requires that we be with, intentional with our outreach to other people. What do I mean by our intentional thoughts? Loneliness is often this giant that we allow to have so much real estate in our mind and it consumes our emotion, it consumes our day. And we naturally are people that, that feel as though that there's a reality where we can feel this certain way and it requires us to think or do anything. It requires us to muster up this level of strength and grit to be able to get ourselves out of it. And sometimes we need people to kind of jump into our life and pull us out of a rut that we're in. But in order for us to defeat loneliness, we need to be intentional about reflecting on why we feel lonely in the first place. You need to come into agreement with what's happening in your mind. Peter petitions us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Church, the enemy traffics in lies. He will consistently try to tell you that you're meant to be alone or that God doesn't care. And it's important to recognize that that is an active deception that is contrary to the word of God and the reality that he has set for you. Don't come into agreement with those lies. It's extremely important. Do not come into agreement with those lies. Come into agreement with the fact that God says that you are not alone and that he is with you. 
I was traveling earlier this year overseas and I met this amazing couple who asked me where I was from. And I said that I'm from Philadelphia. And they told me about this couple that just moved to Philadelphia that feels so lonely because they don't know anyone. And within a matter of weeks when I came back, I connected with them and we built this amazing friendship. It's important to understand what are some of the reasons that we feel alone. Sometimes there's natural reasons for our loneliness. You could have moved to a place where there's no familiar faces. Or perhaps there's no family where you live because all of your loved ones have either moved away or they have passed on. And recently you could have accepted Christ and you feel as though that there's no one in your life that you grew up with that can relate to your new life in Christ. Or perhaps you're dealing with an illness that you feel as though that no one can relate to. And a very common thing for so many of us is perhaps that there's this hidden sin in our life that's causing us a separation from God. What is causing us to feel alone? Let's be honest with ourselves and begin to recognize what's causing that feeling of loneliness. Pastor Maria so brilliantly expounded on the life of Elijah several weeks ago, who was this lonely prophet that was dealing with death threats, and he couldn't see how any type of peace could be restored in his life. Sometimes that there is a situation that we're in, or a position that we hold, or a circumstance that we have that's causing us to feel this severe sense of loneliness. But when you self-reflect and you understand the why behind your loneliness, the people of God that has been made available to you can properly discern and give biblically sound insight onto how to get you out of the rut that you're in. So the first thing that you need to do is be intentional with your thoughts. Reflect on why you feel alone in the first place and expose and bring those reasons to light so that God's people and God can help you. The second most important thing that we can do is we can be intentional with our efforts. The reality for so many of us is that we're not born into households where everyone is a Christian. Perhaps that there's so many people in our life that have not experienced the love of Christ. And God knew that you couldn't pick your family because he knew that perhaps it would take some time for everyone to be able to come to Christ and experience the love of Christ. But still, he created this amazing plan for us to not be alone, to not be lonely. And that is by giving us his church. In Acts chapter 2, verse 44 to 45, it says that all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold their property and their positions and their possessions to give to anyone who had need. In other words, God created the koinonia, which is the Greek word in Acts chapter 2, which describes the Christian fellowship that was created and instituted by God. But the reason why it was created was so that we can experience intimate relationships, fellowship, so we we can share in hardships with one another and so that we can never feel alone. Here at the Black Church, you're not someone that's tolerated. You're actually someone that's celebrated when you're a part of this community. When you're a part of this koinonia, you become part of somewhere where everyone has a significant role to play. In every other organization, in every other fraternity or group, there's often the people that stand at the top with other people that are just existing or members. But the beautiful thing about the church is that it is impossible for any individual to not have a place, a role, or a mission that's bigger than them. That's why the most important thing that we can do is what I call gather around the fire. What do I mean by that? Well, the path of loneliness is really important to defeat with intentionality. 
And for thousands of years, humans have communed around fires to tell stories and to relate to one another. And so we all have something that we consider to be the fire that we gather around. A dear friend of mine was telling me that one of her favorite things is when her and her friends just jump on their couch and they talk for hours. For some of us and some of the guys in our church, it's booking a court at the local YMCA and running pickup ball every Saturday morning. And for many of us, it's summer nights at this exact same glass table that's on the screen right now that probably all of us can relate to. But for all of us, it is Sunday when we gather as one body of Christ, worshiping and hearing the word together. And with block groups launching this week, it's a perfect opportunity to gather around the fire, to build new relationships, to engage in the koinonia which God had instituted, and to be intentional. The beautiful thing about block groups is that they're weekly on purpose. There's a reason why we have this every single week because we don't want a one and done experience for the people of this body to be able to engage with one another. Intentionality requires consistency. And so it's important for you to be consistent and be active in how you're pursuing relationships and building relationships. In this next block group sessions, we have 10 weeks where you can be intentional, where you can build meaningful relationships, where you can have dialogue and be able to express yourself in a way that perhaps you can't with people that are not saved in your life. And the thing that I'll tell you is just because you miss a week doesn't mean that you give up. So often we feel as though we missed week one or week, week, week two that we won't be able to build the same relationships. Be consistent. Keep coming. Keep showing intention and let the people of God that are in this house be able to pour into you as you pour into them. The third thing that we need to do is we need to be intentional with our outreach. One of the most important things that we can do as children of God is create a culture and be the solution for loneliness for the people around us. We have this responsibility to be change agents and carriers of the gospel for those that not only already know Jesus and don't know Jesus, but everyone in between as well. Because we are people that are purposefully engaging and loving those around us. How do we do that? We do that by knowing the power of our presence. The power of our presence. Something as so simple as just our existence, our presence, our relational ability. Know the power of your presence. Not too long ago, I went to a Red Robin to purchase a burger. Why? I do not know. <laughs> if you like Red Robin, there'll be an altar call at the end of this and there's deliverance for you. But I went for whatever reason. But the moment that I opened up this door, there was a woman that was in a wheelchair that was coming out. And I held open the door for her. And as she's coming out, she looks at my feet and I was wearing these retro Reeboks. And she looked at it and she says, wow, when I was your age, I had different colors of those shoes, but I can't wear them anymore because I'm in a wheelchair. And I was kind of awkward, but I was very much engaged with her. And then I said, well, thank you for the compliment. And I'm so sorry to hear that. And I'm trying to go into the restaurant. She's like, yeah, I had red ones. I had black ones. I had green ones. But I can't wear them anymore because I'm in a wheelchair. And I'm like, in my heart, I'm like, God, does she want me to ask her why she's in the wheelchair? She just kept bringing it up. And there's only so many different ways I can say thank you for the compliment. And then finally I said, excuse me, ma'am, if you don't mind me asking, what led to you being in the wheelchair? Like the one question that you're not supposed to ask somebody. <laughs> 
And she goes on to tell me that when she was 18 years old, she got into a car accident that paralyzed her from the hips down. And she said that six months later, she began to make a recovery. And it was her friend's birthday, and she was able to have some mobilization. And she's sitting in the passenger seat of the vehicle, and a car comes and hits her side of the vehicle, permanently paralyzing her. Somehow she survived. And she began to describe all the different things that she misses about being someone that has the full mobility that she used to have. And she felt lonely. She knew that she felt lonely. She knew that she couldn't relate to so many different people. And I remember looking at her and thinking, God, what am I supposed to do here? And the only thing that I can do was offer to pray. And I grabbed both of her hands and I asked her, can I pray for you? And she's like, I guess. And then as I'm praying for her, one hand slips away and it goes inside her purse. And she slips out a cigarette. And I'm looking at this. I'm like, wow, this is kind of rude. I'm praying for this woman. And she is trying to light a cigarette. And I remember kind of being offended and saying, all right, in Jesus' name, amen. You have a great day. And I went inside this Red Robin. (laughs) And as I enter this Red Robin, someone that she was with actually runs behind me and taps me on the shoulder. And she tells me, can you come back out? She wants to talk to you. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, what did I do? Did did she get up from the wheelchair? (laughs) And when I go out to her, something incredible happens. There's tears rolling down her face. And she looks at me and says, what you just did, that prayer, can you do that not only for me again, but can you do that for my brother? Can you do that for my sister? And can you do that for my mother? And it reminded me the power of our presence when we're intentional and we take time to listen to people, listen to their stories and offer the only thing that we have, which is the power of God through our presence and through our prayers, the amount of presence that it is able to be impacted and imparted onto them gives them a joy and a sense of hope hope and a sense of just ability and, and feeling of belonging and it removes isolation because we are intentional. No the power of your presence even with something as simple yet powerful as a prayer and here at the block church we've always found the value in connecting in in this church and not only connecting in the church but connecting with people outside of the church as well we're inviters we give invite cards to people everywhere that we go it's incredible because one time we have a a church favorite here natalie where we one time i'm having a conversation with her and in the middle of the conversation she kind of beelines across the street and she sticks her head in someone else's car i thought that was kind of sus and she runs back And I said, hey, what happened? She said, sorry, I interrupted our conversation. I wanted to give these invite cards to those people that were in that car. And they ended up coming to church. We are inviters. We are people that love to reach out. We are people that love to reach out and invite in. That is the DNA of our church. And that is the remedy to loneliness. It's the remedy to not only our loneliness, but their loneliness as well. Because this is the kingdom. When we serve others and when we reach out to other people, when we are intentional about outreach we become blessed as well because we're seeing that what God had instituted that koinonia that thing that he wanted for us to be a part of where there's intentional relationship where there's an intentional love where there's a sharing of burdens and hardships and just a general love for one another God moves in that atmosphere because he knows that he is present and in the midst of everything 
In Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, it says that about the ninth hour that Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma shabachthani, saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The one unmistakable, unmistakable fact is that no one in this world has experienced the level of loneliness that Jesus has. We could never say that he doesn't understand how we feel. We can never say that there's anything in this world that he hasn't experienced because he's experienced rejection. He's experienced sorrow. He's experienced grief. And worst of all, in this moment when he's on the cross with the weight of the entire world on his shoulders and the sin that came for it, he became sin for us and he was separated from God and it was in this moment, this, this terrible, incomprehensible moment, this lonely moment where he felt forsaken by the Father, estranged by the sin that he willingly bore for you and I. No one was lonelier than Jesus, but it's because of this moment that he had on the cross where he was remembered, where, he, where Jesus remembered the promise that was restored back in Genesis. The work that God began to do when he pursued you and I, the moment that relationship was broken. Jesus on that cross knew that God God had never intended or meant for you and I to feel lonely or to be lonely people. He never intended for that. And so the moment that Jesus was resurrected, he was able to confidently and boldly say in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Church, every single one of us will experience the pain of loneliness in this lifetime. It's definitely inevitable. But the beautiful reality for us as followers of Christ is that we're actually not a slave to that mindset. It's not something that we need to be succumbed to because God, the God that we serve, knew the pain that we would feel without communion and connection and without relationship with him. So he gave us immediate and direct access to his love. He gave us immediate and direct access to relationship with him. And he also gave us a body of believers that we get to share in the incredible love and experience of Christ with together. So if you're out of community, it's important to gather around the fire. We're gonna give an opportunity for you to experience the only solution to loneliness, and that is Jesus. So be bold and give your life to Jesus if you haven't already. Be a part of this amazing kingdom. Get plugged in at church. Sign up for a block group and be intentional about not doing life alone. And perhaps you are part of this community. Perhaps you are a child of God and you have accepted Jesus and you're living with that authority. Well, be the hands and feet of Jesus. Know the power of your presence and actively participate in being the solution for loneliness for every single person that you encounter. Again, it's so important, number one, to be intentional with your thoughts and your mindset. Understand and know what's causing you to feel alone. What's causing you to be in the rut that you're in. Begin to play back what's happening. What is the situation, the circumstance, or the responsibility in your life that's making you feel as though no one can relate to you. That's making you feel alone so that when you reach out to someone else that you can be able to identify how to pray for something and they can walk you out of that struggle. Make sure that you're intentional with 
your thoughts. Then be intentional with your efforts. Understand that God has given you the church, that God has given you the koinonia, the place where you can be presented as someone that is part of a fellowship that where there's intimate relationship and where people love and care for you and want to do life with you and also that they need you so that you can do life for them. Don't think that people are just pouring into you and don't require anything into them. There is an active responsibility for you to be someone that is making an amazing effort to be the hands and feet of Jesus for other people. Be intentional with your efforts. And finally, be intentional with your outreach. Again, look at other people and begin to understand that the same loneliness that you feel at times, perhaps they feel as well. And they need someone to speak life into that. They need someone to remind them that even though sin separated us from God, that sin, sin created that consequence of loneliness, that Jesus restored it, that Jesus restored it with that work on the cross. And we are his people and we're the people that are engaging just as Jesus would on this side of eternity. Be intentional with others through your outreach. Again, the only solution, the only remedy to loneliness is Jesus. Jesus, the only person that came the moment that loneliness was brought into this world with the intention and the desire to restore all of mankind with Jesus, which means that you need to have a relationship with Jesus if you want to see a remedy to loneliness. And so I want everyone all over this place in every single location, even online, to stand to your feet. And we want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus into your heart if you have not already. And so if you can close your eyes with every single eye closed and every single head bowed, if you want that relationship with Jesus, if you're feeling alone, if you're feeling as though that you're isolated, if you're feeling that there's no one that can relate to you and you know that you need something that's so much bigger than you to come into your life and bring that restoration, the answer is Jesus. Relationship with Jesus is the only remedy. And so if you want that all over this place, if you want relationship with Jesus, I want you to raise your hand and as ushers begin to make themselves available to you and work their way towards you again if you want that relationship with Jesus just raise your hands and we're going to give you a moment to do that and this is something that we don't want you to pass by Jesus is the only solution to loneliness and he desires to bring himself in relationship with you as we pray, Father, I thank you so much for every single hand that's raised, God. I thank you that you see every single heart that's in this place. I thank you that you love every single person in this room and that you desire for there to be relationship with us, God. That you consider us, that you're so mindful of us, that you want to share the love that you have, Lord God, in that holy trinity with us, Father. And I thank you for every heart that's here, God, as they give their lives to you, Father. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, that they're constantly reminded, Lord God, that you are the Jesus that died on the cross and that rose from the dead and that you are sitting on the right-hand side of the Father, Father God, so that we can be able to engage and live this life with you and be the hands and feet of Jesus on this side of eternity. We thank you for the new life that you've given us, God. And as these people make these decisions to accept you into their hearts today, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you give them the strength to engage with the community that you've given us in the church so that every single day, Lord, we're relying on you and we have your community to see us through. Father, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.